Good morning. Did John, I, I was getting ready. Did John talk about how the Chiefs were going to spank his Vikings today? I was just curious if he mentioned that. Okay, I, I just want to know. Anyway, so I have a question for you guys. Are you having fun? I mean, I don't mean just like right now. I mean, yes, of course, this is fun. But like in your life, generally speaking, in your days, in your everyday existence, see, when I start to say that, I can tell your demeanor changes. Like you're like, yeah, we're having fun. Uh, right? Felt this sort of thing happen. Maybe I shouldn't have pointed it out. Are you finding joy in your life? Yes? yes? Some? Some of you are? Great. Awesome. We'll get with you afterwards and get some tips. Um, <laughs> so there was a study that was done in the United Kingdom, and I couldn't find one for the United States, but once I share this, I don't think that they're going to be too far off from one another. So they found that four in ten people said the concept of fun, in quotes, ended completely after turning 45. How many of you are under 45 in this room? How many of you are over, if, you, if you're brave enough to say you're, you're over 45, yeah. So uh, the over 45-year-olds, do you agree with this study, right? 45, uh, after turning 45, then an additional 60% of this group reported being incapable of seeking out enjoy, enjoyable experiences on the day-to-day. Which is sad, isn't it? I thought that was shocking. Then they said that 10% of the participants examined in this report said they do not partake of any fun throughout a typical week with the majority of this group naming a lack of energy, a lack of money, or a lack of understanding of, and this is very British, of how one goes about having fun. (laughs) It's like, I don't have, I have no energy, I have no money, and how do you even have fun? Those are like the three questions, right? So... In America, studies have shown that we have more ways to have fun than we've ever had in the history of the world. Like, this is the fun country. Anything that you would want to do that you might describe as fun, uh, you could go do that. But yet we're more miserable than ever, studies also show. So it's like, where did all of the fun go? Like, when you reach age 30, which they're now calling adulthood, by the way. Adulthood is at age 30 now. True story. So all of a sudden, fun's just over with. It's all done. Just like write it off. So if you're at that point, guys, in this room, I'm really sorry. All the fun is over for you. Where did all the fun go? That's the question that I've been asking. I've been asking myself this question. I was looking at 2 Corinthians, and Paul's writing this letter, okay? He's writing to this group of believers in Corinth who were having fun. There are two reasons that they were having fun. Generosity and gratitude. There were two things that were happening in their lives that made their lives fun. The people were sharing what they had with the poor people in Jerusalem, right? They were sending money there. That's part of why Paul's writing. And then this increased thankfulness because of this, it made everybody who was involved, not just the people giving, but the people who were receiving, it made everyone thankful. So this opportunity to share sparked something exciting in them that I think we can learn from it. Paul, he refers to it as their zeal. And he's so impressed that he actually brags about their generosity 
to other churches in this hope of having those groups of believers give to this cause as well, which is a pretty sweet tactic, right? So for the people in Corinth, sharing with other people was fun. It was something that brought them joy. And I believe that God loves it when we are extravagantly generous because that's the way that he is, right? How could you be so good to me? If you were singing that this morning, hopefully you were thinking about some of the things that God's done for you in your life. I mean, just Jesus alone, right, is like everything. But if you think about some of the good things that have come to you, I mean, God is a good God. He's a good father. And so everything good that you can count in your life is a result of his presence and uh, his plan for you. And so God loves it when we are extravagantly generous because that's the way he is. And so we're going to pick this up in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I think we're going to start with verse 10. Yeah. So here's what it says. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So again, we know that what we have comes from God and we know that he is a good God and we know that he blesses us to be a blessing to other people. Somehow, Paul says, when we live generously, when we give to other people, we still seem to have enough. And not only that, God actually multiplies it to bless others beyond that. And while that's all happening, God's stirring something up in us and in our character. And when we live, as we call it, with open hands, right? God can put whatever he wants into our hands and he can take whatever he, want, he wants to take out of our hands. When we trust him in that way, because that's what faith is, it's trust. He actually grows us and his character grows within us. So Paul specifically is referring to this offering to the poor that he is collecting. But I'm going to suggest to you today that it's not just about money. And maybe that's where you thought I was going with this uh, message today, but that's not it at all. Paul's talking about way more than money here. So if we continue in verse 11, Paul says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. That word thanksgivings, plural there, got my attention. And sometimes when I'm reading through scripture, that's what happens. Like there's one word that either I've not really paid a lot of attention to, or I've not really noticed before. And that one was like a laser beam, like, whoa, thanksgivings, like it's plural. That's really weird. It totally captured my imagination. And so as I started to think about this uh, series of messages that we were going to go into, that's what I kept dwelling on. For a follower of Jesus, our generosity isn't just for the good of others, but it's essential for us as well. When we live generously, something incredible happens. So we're going to take this whole month to talk about this and how God uses gratitude, being thankful, thanksgivings, right? How he uses that to transform our lives. So could it be the fun that we're missing in our lives is just a result of the thanksgivings that maybe are missing from our lives? When we give, God opens up our hearts to live generously. And Paul says, in every way, which is pretty cool. So the result produces this abundance of thanksgivings, not only in other people, but in us as well. So if you break down the word thanksgiving, it literally means the giving of thanks. Ooh, all the scholars in the room are like, yes, yes. So it's offering gratitude for something that you've been blessed with. And so I'm going to propose for our discussion that Thanksgiving equals giving our thanks away. 
Thanksgiving means giving our thanks away. So according to Paul, there are three things that result when we generously give our thanks away. And I want to talk about those for just a minute today. So the first one is this, we cultivate joy. Most of us are probably familiar with Psalm 100. It's kind of, when it comes to uh, joy and thanksgiving, it's kind of the example. It's one of the go-tos. If you look it up, like scriptures on joy or happiness or generosity, those kinds of things, this is going to be one that pops up on the radar for you. It's this fantastic example, I think, of what it looks like to give our thanks away. But in short, I'm going to call this a playful psalm. This playful psalm, David exudes this happiness and what it looks like to be generous and to give that away. And so I'm actually going to share uh, Eugene Peterson's version from the message with you today because I like how he poetically interprets the psalm. If you want to read along in your ESV or whatever you've got in front of you, go big. But this comes from his paraphrase in the message, and I like the way that it says it. So here's what he says. On your feet now, applaud God. Bring a gift of laughter. Sing yourselves into his presence. I love that line. Know this, God is God. And God, God. He made us. We didn't make him. We're his people, his well-tended sheep. Enter with the password, thank you. It's like church is a speakeasy or something. Thank you. Make yourselves at home, talking, praise, thank him, worship him. For God is sheer beauty, all generous in love, loyal always and ever. I just think that's beautiful. So stop and think about how you go about your normal everyday, day-to-day activity. How many of you have seen the movie Groundhog Day? How many of you feel like your life sometimes is Groundhog Day, right? Kevin keeps raising his hand over and over again. So, right, the alarm goes off, you get up, you do all the same things, you go to bed. The alarm goes off, you get up, you do. So, take that. Does it look like that? For most of us, I would say it probably doesn't. Like that waking up, that exuberance, that entering with the password, thank you, not just here in this place, but in every space that we go to. I mean, there's an exuberance, there's a joy, there's kind of a little bit of almost like a ah that we did at the very beginning happening with this verse. It makes my heart sort of do this. And so you're thinking, you know what, Pastor Bill, that's great. But listen, I'm an executive. I'm a board member. I hold a position. I'm a PTA member. Like whatever your thing is, right? Mature people don't behave this way. This is my commandment that you lighten up. (laughs) Seriously. When did everything get to be so like, oh, like everything is crucial. Everything is like crisis mode. And listen, guys, as far as God's concerned, you and I are just toddlers. Seriously. As far as he's concerned, he just sees us as these little kids bumbling around tripping over stuff, getting into the cookie jar, like whatever, right? To him, we're just toddlers, we're his kids, and toddlers do not care what you think about how they act, especially when they're excited about something. 
This is why I love to hang out with your kids. I love it. Because I don't care. And sometimes they'll say stuff. And sometimes it's not appropriate. And it's always funny. Except if you're the parent, of course. So Thursday night, some of us went up to the square to give away candy to kids, basically, and to some adults, just to be fair, right? So we're up there, and Zach came up with this concept of this box with these uh, three little windows. And I have to be honest, when he proposed it, I'm like, that's just not, I don't think that's going to work, right? It totally worked. Like, it was awesome. It was amazing. I was wrong. So they did graffiti on the front of it, which is really cool. He had some of the students help him with that. And it said, a knock and the door will be opened. And it was so cool to watch parents stop and kind of look with wonder at this giant Ikea box. Oh, okay. And so then they're encouraging the kids to, like, walk up to this thing and knock on it. And so I was up there too, and really the point was just to hang out. And so I was back a ways from behind this thing, and I was wearing this. You totally want to see it on, don't you? I wished I'd had this microphone. Oh, this is the bomb. There's no way I'm going to be able to read my notes right now, but that's okay. So I was up there in this right? And the kids would come up. Man, I should just preach the whole time in this. You guys are totally paying attention. <laughs> so these kids and their parents would roll up and they'd see the box and the kids would look up and see me and they'd be like, oh, right? And so there was initially these reactions. Some kids would see me and then they would smile really big and they would start to wave. And then there were other kids that were a little bit unsure, Right? And so I would kind of try to wave at them. Man, this is really hot. Woo! So I wave at them, right, to try and engage them. They were unsure, but they were at least open. And then some were immediately fearful, like, ah, right, kind of like you guys were. Here, I'll put it up here. There you go. So they would just look at me. And then there were other kids that looked like they were about to cry, right? And even some of the parents were alarmed. So I'd been thinking all week about this message and about this idea of thanksgivings and giving your thanks away. And so I said, you know what? This is a human experiment right here. This could be good. And so here's what I did. I, if I noticed a kid that was looking at me and they smiled and they waved, of course, I'd wave back. Most of the time they would. If they were a little bit unsure... I would drop down on their level. And again, I was a pretty good distance away from them. So it wasn't like I was like right up on them like this. Like, I mean, that would scare anyone, right? Like even just a human being like that, you're in my space, right? But I was back a ways. And so I would just kind of drop down on their level and I would wave. And most of the time they would wave back. And if none of those things worked, I would just begin, I would start dancing. <laughs> I mean, that's what I call it. It's just moving around in an awkward and weird way. But you get to a point in your life where you just call that dancing because that's all you can do. And so I would start to do that. And almost every time that would break them down. I mean, you have these hardened dads walking through with their kids like, I don't want to be here. And I'd start doing that and they would be cracking a smile. They would not want to laugh, but they would. Because that's just ridiculous, okay? It's just completely ridiculous. It broke everybody down almost every time. And then 
There were a few smaller kids out of the hundreds that came by. We're talking hundreds for real. So then I would back further away so that they would feel safe to come up and I would just kind of go do something else for a second so that they wouldn't be afraid of that monkey thing, right? But here's the thing that I learned through that process. Besides, that's really fun. Um, I learned that when we're willing to give something away, other people respond to that. There's a positive response when we're willing to give something away and others responded and it brought joy. Like there was a, a joyfulness to that whole moment that we had on the square together. And so you and I, we should love to see people get excited about something. We should. As believers, as followers of Jesus, we should be excited about the life that we get to live, what we have to share, all of those things, they're beautiful. They're gifts. And so many times we walk through life and we're just kind of like ashamed of it. Like we don't want to talk. We don't want to impose our beliefs. This guy was imposing his beliefs on everybody. <laughs> he believed in dance. And you know what? Suddenly everybody else did too. Guys, we're God's toddlers and we should be thankful for that. The joy should show in our lives. It's good for us. Scientists continue to talk this has been something that's been going on for a while now about the benefits of gratitude when it comes to joy in our lives. And here's a quote. Something as simple as writing down three things you're grateful for every day for 21 days in a row significantly increases your level of optimism. It holds for the next six months. So if you only do that exercise for 21 days, the results of that exercise actually have a positive benefit in your life for the next six months. And here's some of the benefits. It rewires our brain for happiness. It improves our relationships. It increases willpower. It reduces stress. It relieves anxiety and keeps us calm. It makes us energetic and youthful. And it gives us an increased satisfaction with our life, with our jobs, and with our relationships. And lastly, it boosts the morale of those around us. That's a like, if you could bottle that and sell it and everybody's trying to, that's millions and billions of dollars. And this is free, right? And of course, we're supposed to, as Christians, be happy people. And gratitude is the key to this. And, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about gratitude and its connection to joy. Just a couple of Psalms for you. A glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. That's Psalm 15, 13. Psalm 68, 3. But the godly are happy. They rejoice before God and overcome with joy. And so maybe you're saying to yourself, well, Pastor Bill, that's really great, but I'm kind of not really normally a happy person. In fact, I might even describe myself as a grump. So isn't it inauthentic for me to go around pretending like I'm happy? Well, I'm glad that you asked that. Because here's what gratitude is, guys. Gratitude is about noticing the small acts of God's grace that are in front of us every day rather than focusing on what's wrong. It's just noticing. All gratitude, there's, there's just noticing things. And there's nothing more authentic than acknowledging the goodness of God and noticing the abundance of what you've been given and seeking to share it with other people. That's as authentic as it gets. Generously giving away our thanks what that does is it plants these little seeds of joy in our lives and in the lives of other people. So that's the first thing, 
right? If we want to change our lives, if we want to be these generous, thankful people, we have to cultivate uh, joy by giving our thanks away. The second thing that happens when we generously give our thanks away is that as a result, just a byproduct, we worship God. And I'm sorry, that's hard to read there. We worship God. So often when we talk about worship, the picture that we get is people gathered in a room like this and the music starts and right, people raising their hands or singing or dancing if you're brave enough. We're, we allow that in this church, by the way, in case you didn't know. Often, we usually place worship in this context of singing songs together. But if you've been around here for long, you know that we believe that worship is so much more than that. What we're doing right now is worship. Right? Opening scripture, learning about God, that's worship. When you hang out with people in your connect group, regardless of what you're doing, when you're gathered with other people who believe, that's worship. If you like to scrapbook and you sit down and you are just like making this bomb of a page that your family will remember for a lifetime, that's worship. If you sit down to eat a delicious piece of chocolate cake, that can also be worship. I'm serious. Here's what worship is, guys. Worship is loving God with all of our heart, our mind, and our soul, and our strength, and loving our neighbors as ourselves. Those two things go together. They go hand in hand, and together those things are worship. And those two things combined are what our lives should be consumed by. That's our mission statement. That's our goal. And so last week I shared a couple of verses from the very beginning of Romans 12. And they encourage us to give our lives to be this living sacrifice, right? Which is kind of a weird thing to think about. But the idea here is that body, mind, and soul, that everything that we do, everything that we are should be acts of worship to God. Whether we're headed to work or we're headed to school or we're hanging out with our kids or we're hanging out with our friends or we're unclogging the toilet, like whatever your day brings. I know it's hard to believe that could be worship but it's all in the heart. It's all in the attitude that we have. And so the first few verses of Psalm 9 connect these things together. It says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. So gratitude, what it is, is a book report on God's wonderful deeds. That's what it is. You're writing a report. You are reporting. You are exclaiming. You are exalting. You are declaring. Whatever word you want to use there, you are letting other people know that God is awesome. And exactly, specifically, like why? You're doing that with your life. He's done so much for us. And so our thankfulness and generosity are this act of worship that reflect his love back to him. Because for God so loved the world that he gave his only son and whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. But the order of that verse, I bring it up again, is important. God loved, he gave. So when we worship him, we're just reflecting that love back to him. We're saying, thank you. Thank you for who you are, for what you've done, for creating me, for all the things that you surrounded me with on this planet. I get really excited when I talk about this. Because I believe that if we can live this way, it is a game changer. 
Because we've been around people, right? We've been around the people that are excited about the thing, and then we get excited about the thing. And we've also been around the people who are very unexcited about the thing, and we also get unexcited about whatever the thing is. Listen, I don't care what your hobby is. If you're excited about it and you're telling me about it, I get excited for you. It's like, man, that sounds really boring to me, but I'm glad that you are excited. It's, it's kind of infectious. Yes, I would love to watch paint dry too. Where can we do that together? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. God's done so much. Our thankfulness, our generosity are an act of worship that reflect his love back to him. So that's the second thing. And here's the third thing. We make Jesus known. To me, this is one of the best parts of gratitude. And I'm approaching these things like they're byproducts of it. But in reality, these are the purposes of gratitude, I believe, that God's put in our lives. This is one of the best parts. When Paul refers to generosity and gratitude in 2 Corinthians, he says that it starts this chain reaction. So let's read along. We're now in verse 13 of chapter 9. By their approval of this service, he's talking about that gift, right, that they're about to send. And in fact, he's writing this letter to make sure that they're ready. Like, hey, I'm a, we're going to be stopping by. Make sure you have it ready, okay? So that's the purpose. It's like, by their approval of this service, this gift that you're giving, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Have you ever uttered those words in your life? You need to put that in your repertoire. That'll blow people away at Starbucks. Like, hey, you've got a free coffee today. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Just watch, see what happens. When we give, guys, whether it's money, time, our thanksgiving, the blessings, noticing. When we give, it doesn't just meet the needs of other people, but it sets off this chain reaction of worship that makes Jesus known. Gratitude, generosity, giving thanks. These things, if you've looked around lately, are not really the norms of our current society. Right? We're more on the side of pointing out everything that's wrong. Saying goodbye to things. <laughs> nope, sorry. Goodbye. You're no longer invited to this conversation. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. Facebook, right? These are all the things that are wrong with animal control in our city. <laughs> You name it, whatever the thing is. Somebody's out there complaining about it. But gratitude, generosity, giving thanks, even though these things aren't the norms of our society, I believe that that gives us an opportunity. I believe that that sort of just serves up this perfect situation for us as believers and as followers of Jesus. Because when we express gratitude or generosity by giving our thanks away, people are going to notice that. Like people are blown away when you say thank you just for being served in a restaurant now. Like people are thanking you for thanking them. Like, listen, this is just common courtesy, right? I appreciate what you're doing for me. Thank you. So Paul is saying that the act of generosity to the poor for these folks is worship. And for us, 
our acts of generosity, our worship, it sparks worship in other people, just like it did in them. And then they thank God, Paul says, for you and for God's blessings on you. And then this pours out even more blessings on you. Get it? It's like this chain reaction. Your worship sparks worship. Then they thank God for you and for his blessings. They pray, right? And then this pours out even more blessings on you. Well, guess what? Jesus is exalted in the process. From your confession of the gospel of Christ. Where the blessings come from, right? A life of generosity and gratitude to God, I think, can be one of the best ways we can lead others to Jesus. Because that's really, for a lot of us, when we feel like, man, I really should be sharing more about my faith, but I don't really know how to do that. Like, it, it seems really artificial to me. Listen, when you're thankful for other people and you're constantly calling out God's goodness in the universe and you're giving them credit for it, trust me, other people are gonna wanna know what that's about. And that's an easy conversation to have. It's like, man, God did this for me yesterday. Or guess what, this happened. I didn't think it was gonna go this way, but then God totally blessed this situation. What is the deal with this? Like, why do you keep, talking about God in the midst of this. Well, because these blessings come from him. I'm just noticing them. In Matthew 5, Jesus gives us some important direction on what we should look like as members of his kingdom. And if you want to read it, it's like Matthew chapters 5 through 7. It's really, really good. But in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 5, he describes us as a couple of things. He describes us as salt, bringing rich and delicious flavor to the world, as I would describe it. And then in verse 14, he says that we're supposed to be light and we're supposed to illuminate the goodness of God in this world. So let's check it out. Matthew 5, starting with 13. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. No, I'm going to let it shine, right? But on a stand, you put it on a stand because you want the light, right? You want everyone in the house to have that light. In the same way, Jesus says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Oh, interesting. And give glory to your father who is in heaven. So we got a lot going on here, right? We've got bringing flavor to the world. We've got bringing light to the world. And we've got good works. Probably some gratitude mixed in there. Giving glory to your Father who's in heaven. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. You could also check out 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 12. So here's what I think. I think that when we give our thanks away, what we do is we become that salt, that flavor. We become that light in a world that desperately needs it. So now it's kind of a confession time for me, but to be candid, this is not where I've been for most of this year, personally. It's just not. Um, 2019, I will be glad it's gone, just to be honest. Um, but this message was really convicting for me to prepare for a lot of reasons. But that's kind of what's cool, I think, about having the opportunity to do this is God gets to do a lot of work 
on me before I get to put this in front of you. And so historically speaking, most people would probably describe me as a joyful person, as a mostly happy person, as an optimistic person, maybe even a giving person. But I've been more focused lately on what I lack than what I have. I'm just being real with you. And so I could share, many of you probably know the reasons for that, and I could share the circumstances uh, for that. But what I feel like God said to me this week is like, listen, circumstances are not the issue, buddy. You are the issue. Your heart is the issue. And I came across this quote. Um, it's from Chuck Swindoll. Some of you might have heard this before. He says this, we cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing that we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. And so my attitude of gratitude, right? My attitude of gratitude is a choice that I make. It's a choice that you make, regardless of our circumstances. So choosing to recount the blessings of God is not dependent on our circumstances, guys. Circumstances have zero to do with it. Philippians 4.8 commands us to meditate on God's goodness to cultivate gratitude. Those scientists still suggest, too, that gratitude has all of these benefits to our physical and our mental health. And they found that gratitude itself is like this muscle in the brain. Like, I, I think, and I think God made us to respond to this. I believe that God created us. And all of these things that scientists learn about how we function, and they really don't know, like, how some of these things work still, which I always laugh about that. But like, they're learning all these things like it's new. But then we read scripture and we're like, oh no, this isn't new at all. This is how God made us. So they have learned that gratitude within us is like a muscle that can be strengthened, right? And so if you practice, if you train to strengthen uh, your brain, that gratitude part of it to be thankful, the more that you practice thankfulness, the more that you notice things to be thankful for. And not only that, the more benefits that you enjoy and that continues to kind of snowball in your life. So here's the challenge. This is for us as a community. This is what I'd like to do. I'm going to challenge you to do this. Uh, you can say no if you want to. But experts say that it takes 21 days to establish a new habit. We've got 27 left in this month. I want you to join me in establishing a habit of gratitude. And so here's what that looks like. We are going to give our thanks away. That's what we're going to do as a community. And so each day, here's what I want you to do. I want you to choose one thing. I'm, it's super easy. Just choose one thing that you're thankful for. And I know some of you guys are overachievers and you're going to do three or five. Go for it. Go big. I don't care. But I'm only asking for one. I want you to consider one thing that you've been blessed with that you are thankful for. But more than thinking about what that one thing is, I want you to think about why. I want you to think about why you're thankful for that thing. So here's some examples. It could be someone important in your life, like your spouse or a, a family member or maybe a friend. Well, what makes them unique to you? What makes you thankful for that person? What makes you thankful for them specifically? Maybe it's a person that makes your life better. Maybe it's your kids' teachers that are constantly pouring out for your children day after day. Maybe it's your local police and fire departments, the guys and gals that work there all the time tirelessly to keep us safe. Maybe it's your barista. <laughs> For a lot of you, that's going to be the first person on your list, right? People that make your life better. Well, why specifically? What's up with that? Or maybe it's something that's just seemingly small that's only important to you. 
Maybe it's a food or a drink that you enjoy, something in nature, uh, something about that food that you love the way it's prepared, or maybe the experience of the restaurant that you enjoyed in, or maybe somebody that you love that you associate that food with, like a memory or something, or maybe it's something that you have. Maybe you have like a favorite shirt that someone gave you and you think about them every time that you wear it. Maybe you have this toy or something from your childhood that brings back a specific memory that you're thankful for. A memory of someone that you love, perhaps. Or maybe it's a photograph of someone. Or a song. Or a book. So I want you to think of one thing for the next 27 days that you're thankful for. And then the next thing I want you to do is I want you to give it away. Not literally, Here's my spouse. No. I want you to document it. I want you to write it down somewhere, like in a journal, or if you have a big calendar on your wall, each day, write the thing down. Maybe take post-it notes and just start lining those up in your office space or on your wall. Do this whatever way makes you happy, whatever jives with your system, whatever you've got going on, do it that way. If you're digital, put it in your notes app, put it in your document app, put it in whatever, your journal, whatever, you, whatever that looks like for you. Create a note on your phone. So the next thing to do is to document it. And then here's where it comes in. I want you to share it with others because experts agree, and the Bible I consider to be an expert, that gratitude is contagious. So if you've got social media, I want you to either post something, like a description. If you're just a Twitter person, text is great. Facebook, whatever you want to do. I, want, I just want to overwhelm the world with gratitude and all the things within this community that we are thankful for. Post a picture, write a description, write a short comment each day on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, get creative. Write a poem. I don't care. Make a movie. It doesn't matter to me about each of these little things that you're doing. Do something different every day. Whatever makes you happy and brings joy to your heart as you share this with other people. But you can also share this by acting on it. Like maybe you think of a friend that you grew up with that you haven't talked to in a long time. Why not call that person or text that person and say, hey, I am thankful for you today and here's why. Stop by the fire station or the police department. Take them some cookies or something. Say, we're really thankful that you guys are here all the time and we know that this could be a thankless job. Thank you so much for what you do. Send an email to your kid's teacher because they don't get enough good ones. I'm looking at some of the teachers in the room. <laughs> they don't get enough good ones. It's like, thank you for the investment in my kid. I live with them. I know what they're like. <laughs> thank them for their hard work. Thank them for their support of your family. How about sending a note to your spouse, maybe every day, or a text? thanking them for something that they've done or something that you appreciate about them or maybe for your kids. But here's the great part, the byproduct to me. Every year, the last service of November, we have a Thanksgiving service. And it seems like every time we do this, we open up the mic and we let people come up. And if they want, we don't make anyone do it. We let people come up. And it seems like it always starts really slow. Like everybody has to think, okay, am I thankful for anything? We would totally have a head start. Like it would be off the hook. You'd have this whole list of things that you could actually come and you could share with your church community. And let me tell you, that is one of my favorite services that we have because it's just real. It's just what's going on with people. It's always very touching and it's always full of joy. And so that's an opportunity for you as well. So for the next 27 days, starting today, maybe you'll be able to thankful for a chief's win. Who knows? But you're going to have something today that gets your attention. Don't think too hard about it doesn't have to be unique. Maybe Friday will be unique. 
or maybe they're all just going to be average to you, normal everyday things that you're thankful for. Those are all the right answers. There's no wrong answers. It's you, what you're thankful for and expressing it the way that you want to. So be thankful, document it, and then share it. And guys, just in case you've forgotten, we have so much to be thankful for, right? Just a few that I came up with. We're friends of God. Like I love that he calls us friends. I mean, he calls us kids too, but he also calls us friend. And I think that we take that for granted. We have this opportunity to live in this country that everybody else on the planet wants to live in. I mean, yeah, we may bag on it at times. We may not like the way that things are going sometimes, but guess what? It's still the best country to live in on this planet. It is. We're blessed beyond measure here. And we also get to be a part of a community like this that loves each other, that I can put on a dorky gorilla mask and you guys think it's funny. That's a blessing. That would never happen. (laughs) Thank you. I'll meet with you after church. Um, That would have never happened in the church that I grew up in. Nothing against against any of those pastors because I love those guys. I love those men. But that can happen here. You guys love me for the most part just the way that I am. I mean, you've asked me to change some things and I'm working on it, but. (laughs) Oh, this place is a blessing. I love you guys so much and I don't say it enough, so I really want you to know that. May you and I be people, men and women, right, who generously give our thanks away, that we take this opportunity over the next 27 days to just kind of let it all hang out. Like, just do it, just go. It's like, okay, I'm doing it, I'm putting it out here. People are going to be surprised that I'm thankful for toilet paper, but here it goes, right? (laughs) Whatever that looks like for you. May you and I be men and women who are filled with gratitude and that we generously give that away. Would you bow your hearts with me? Father God, I love you. And um, we don't have enough words in our language to extol the virtues of who you are and how wonderful you are. We have hundreds of psalms, God, and yet those hundreds of psalms don't even touch your greatness, your glory, your beauty, your mercy, your grace, and most of all, your love. And God, you have us in this place and in this time, uh, in this world, in all of the environments that each one of us goes into day in and day out. You've placed us there. We believe that, God. So I pray that you would use this opportunity for us as we share the things we're thankful for. And that God, each of these generous little seeds that we sow in the lives of other people just by sharing what we're grateful for, that that you would multiply those seeds and that as a result, your kingdom would grow because that is our heart, that is our mission, that is our goal. That's what we want, God. We want men and women to come to know the truth of Jesus, who he is, what he's done and how much he loves them. And then he came to save us. So God, where courage is needed, I pray for courage. Where creativity is needed, I pray for creativity. Where motivation is needed, God, I pray for motivation. But ultimately, I just pray that you would be glorified in everything that happens as a result of us giving our thanks away in this month. We love you and we thank you. We thank you for Jesus and it's in his name. Amen.